some of these guys, you know, it's, they're on the cool bike brands and they're living out of their van and stuff. You know, I wanted to make a living for myself. And Cage just took really good care of me. When I end my career, whenever that is, I'll have, you know, a great house, great toys, shit, probably a house paid off. And, uh, you know, some, some of the guys rather have the flamboyant brand and not get the money, you know, and, and look cool on Instagram. Welcome, mountain bikers. You are listening to the Inside Line podcast from Vital MTB. I'm Sean Spomer. We're glad to have your ears on today. We have a special guest in the form of Logan Bingley. Logan is a Red Bull Rampage podium finisher, hucking big drops, flipping off them. He's a U.S. national downhill champ, longtime downhill racer, and he has a really interesting story with lots of insight that he's gained over the years riding mountain bikes and competing. Logan, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. I'd like to thank Maxis Tires for their support of the Inside Line podcast. With summer almost over, I'm sure your tires are pretty roached. Make sure you replace those meats with some Maxis rubber. I'd like to thank Jensen USA for being with the Inside Line since day one. Use coupon code InsideLine at checkout and you can get 10% off qualifying items. Thanks to thegravitycartel.com where you can find all things Spank and IXS components, riding gear, the goods from the Gravity Cartel. And finally, thank you listeners. Without you, what's the point? Stay tuned sometime soon. We're going to be adding all of Loic Bruni's Outspoken series to this podcast channel too. So if you haven't had time to sit through the entire videos, it'll give you a chance to listen to the insight from the current world champ and World Cup downhill leader. How do you feel two dudes in a hotel room just hanging out? Yep, two dudes in a hotel room and even a king-size bed in this one. <laughs> Dude, Logan Bingley. Two Gs, one L. I've learned this a long time ago. I always see it one G, two Ls. Yep, yep, yep. two Gs, one L. Say, say your last name for us. Bingley. Bingley, okay. How how often does it get butchered? I mean... If you're European and you're you're it is it is Swiss the heritage and is it yeah. you know Bingeli it's more pronounced over you know in the in the, the European world but in America it's Bingley you know it's kind mm-hmm. of changed over the ancestry course I think but I think it was Bingeli at one point you know with that Euro twist on it and you know now we're 200 years or wherever we are in America and it's it's Bingley okay cool so well, it you- does get butchered though a lot Bingeli. I, I mean, I, there's a few of them for sure. Peanut, <laughs> peanut. I don't know. It's it gets out of control. Peanut butter know. and Bing Jelly. Yeah. yeah, is that a nickname? Yeah, there's <laughs> a few nicknames. That's sweet. What do uh, What are you doing here in Sun Valley, Idaho? Man, random place to to meet up. Actually, super stoked. I've I've never been to Sun Valley and heard great things about this place. And yeah, it is the Valley of the Sun. And we're here doing outer bike round one with KHS bicycles and demo demoing some bikes and trying to get some riding in and have fun. Have you ridden yet? Yeah, I did. I, I rode my e-bike to the very top of the mountain. And it was pretty sweet. Here. Yeah, it's like 3,200 feet, right? It's There's a lot of vert. My battery actually didn't make it. <laughs> really? But I was full of boost the whole time. It, it was nuts. <laughs> I, I went I went straight up the mountain. It was, I don't know if I would have made it on a regular bike, to be honest with you, or it would have took all day and a couple of granola bars. But yeah, I made it I made it up pretty far to the snowpack. Uh, I, I made it up there. They were clearing snow on the trail. Cool. So. Would you ride down? uh mind mind blower mind sweeper yeah mind bender mind bender yeah, there you go like, it's like a blue kind of groomer tons of bolt out switchback and i was things. above mind blower 
And yeah, it, it was, I was really blown away because it was it was like 9.5 of descending miles, 9.5 miles. A lot of switchback, but yeah. I mean, nine miles of descending is like sometimes I only go on a nine mile cross country ride, you know. So I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah. Like I was shaking my hands, and it was cool. Man made the whole way down, and you know, trees, not trees, jumps, kickers. Was, I was pretty impressed. Cool, dude, sick. All right, everyone, welcome to the Inside Line Podcast. I'm Sean Spomer. And today's special guest, Logan Bingley. Boom. Good to have you here. I saw you at the Pro GRT last weekend. I've had to wait a whole week to hear this joke you said you have ready. Let's do it. Okay. We're going to polarize everyone right away. Polarize everyone. (laughs) Continue to listen to the podcast, even if you don't like it. It's just a joke. Okay, so why, why, uh, you know, Trump's, Trump's 78 years old. Why doesn't he wear reading glasses? You never seen him wear reading glasses ever. Why? Because he's got twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could have thrown twenty twenty biatch in there, but I I heard that from a funny friend in Las Vegas, and uh, it definitely stirs the pot. You know, I'm I'm not super political by any means, but uh, Dude, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I found it really funny when I when he told me, and uh, yeah, just just a joke. Dude, there we go. And that's it. Thanks for tuning in. Yep. Later. <laughs> Good. That was worth that was worth the the wait for a week. I guess. Let's uh let's get into some history. Yeah, yeah where, I got where it. you came from, I came up. First mountain bike, first bike, that whole thing. First bike was a Schwinn Hartel, I think from God knows where, Walmart or something. Yeah. I was racing man, I started at eight, nine years old racing uh motocross. My dad bought me some 1989 piece of crap dirt bike to see if I was, uh, you know, to get into the sport and whatnot and yeah. bl- blew that thing up in like a day, I think. It wasn't even... Because you were so into it? Like just well, rallying? I just got on, you know, 1989, uh, 85cc, it, you know, it's already seen its time. And when he took it down <laughs> to the shop after I blew it up, I think he realized he'd just go buy a new one for the same amount of money as mm-hmm. to rebuild it. Yeah. But um, I did eight years of motocross from, you know, age nine and... 14, 15 years old, and um, is this all in St. George? I was born. From? I was born. I started in in Heber City, Utah, where I was born. Okay. Born and raised in Heber City, Utah, and uh, that's where he got that moto. And uh, I was I was born in nineteen eighty nine and lived in uh, Midway in Heber City till nineteen ninety nine when my dad retired and sold a concrete ready mix business. And uh, I think he was sick of the snow, and we we moved down to Southern Utah, which was at the time highly influenced by moto and and you know close to the tracks in southern california and did that for eight years heading down to Glen helen i can remember almost every weekend the speedway in las vegas had tuesday night practices and thursday night practices i remember i wouldn't get home till midnight and then wake up for school the next morning but you know who cares when you when you ride your moto i just <laughs> yeah wanted to get down there and practice some some fast people and uh so you'd lap from like st george to vegas all the time all the time yeah but the, speed, think... the speedway is only an hour 45 minutes okay yeah. so it's, you know you don't have to go in there you know yeah but um i did that consistently for eight years and and um, I, when it came to an end i was at a loretta lynn's qualifier in uh, cedar city utah and simple little teeny jump i i seat bounced it and uh, i went over the bars you know and i tore my groin like really bad Ugh. something that you can't even there's no surgery it's just time off and 
I put in, you know, eight years of that stuff, dedicating my life. And I just, I learned so much from moto. I, uh, I just wanted it all like to come so quick. You know, I wanted to be the James Stewart right then and there. And, mm-hmm. you know, no one, no one can, no one can really, you know, just get, you gotta, you gotta do super hard work. Anyways, I, I got burned out with that. And, um, when I was in Southern Utah, that's what really influenced, influenced mountain biking for me. I don't think I would have ever picked up a mountain bike. Cause it's like Hebron Park City at that time when I was young was like cross country. There was no such thing like much downhill, you know, those mm-hmm. ski resorts weren't putting, putting money and man-made stuff to go, to do, go do that stuff. So right. being in Southern Utah was a, was a huge thing to, to do, to do mountain biking. And I, I clearly remember eighth grade, whatever age, 14, uh, Snow Canyon middle school heading down to lunch. And I saw the the Red Bull Rampage flyer, October or whatever. I think it was Halloween time then. Yeah. And uh, was this O one like the first one? This was O three. I went okay. to O three. Yeah. I, I didn't even touch a mountain bike at this point, and um, I saw that flyer with a buddy, and it, it was close to um, summertime, and uh, I think I ended up actually taking it from the gas station. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Awesome. And uh, I hung that thing on my wall, and we had the we had a couple of buddies, and we counted down to the days to go see this, you know, this, this guy on this clip. This it was a Santa Cruz old Santa Cruz bike. Uh, it wasn't super T, but it was a, you know this picture of this Pinnacle mountain biker. So that's what we want to go see this stuff. And we we drove out there. Our parents dropped us off, and I, I can remember still to this day looking up. I, I got there late, so they were already like riding, and I remember seeing these mountain bikers come down this mountain and i i was mind blown i was like this is insane this is motocross without a motor you know and they're going down these cliffs i I had no idea this was even possible yeah and like, that's terrain you'd been around like it didn't even occur to you to put, I, put a terrain i've been around but i never went out to really virgin i was still motoing kind of just in saint george still yeah. doing the track thing you know getting with the buddies and do, we were maybe at a, i had a i just maybe got that schwinn bike and uh Anyways, we went we went out there and uh, I watched that whole event for a day. And that that day, I, I said, I want I want to do this. Hmm. I'm done with moto. I want to go into mountain biking because I was I was a racer the whole time, you know. And I'm like, I want to do this free ride stuff. This sounds way sicker, mm-hmm. you know. All this pressure for eight years being this racer, blah blah blah. I just, I just free ride down this mountain, and that's what really influenced me. The you know from racing to free ride, and um, you could you could fast forward all the way to 2012. And, uh, and I was, I was, I was, I did, well, the 08 was my first rampage. Okay. But, uh, you know, long story short, yeah, 2012, I went from watching a contest, not riding a bike to third place podium. Yeah. In like eight, nine years. All right. Let's go back though a little bit. Like, okay, you want to do this. You see what the riders had done at rampage back then. How did you, where'd you go from there? Like your, your Schwinn hardtail wasn't going to cut it. Broke it. <laughs> Dad bought me a Cannondale right away. Lefty um from the local bike shop there huge candle shop i remember uh doing a year on candle i remember bending that fork like four times and it kept saying no the way lefty. you can't yeah the lefty <laughs> you can't bend this and then i was only like 80 pounds yeah so like you definitely can't bend this thing <laughs> and we had to send it in of course it was bent. they kept send, sending me some more and then finally mm-hmm. uh ponied up to another candle with like a dorado and whatnot mm-hmm. did a year on that um at 14 years old uh, uh east side free ride came out um, they were shooting with some other riders and, uh, I got, I was out there practicing with my dad and they couldn't believe what I was doing with all mm-hmm. the moto background. Cause 
going big on the moto just made it so simplified to go big on a mountain bike <laughs> for me you know you don't have the throttle but yeah and the, that, the, that the gaps are actually much? much smaller you know and but, but no throttle like you figured it out it wasn't figured a, it, it wasn't out a big deal okay like the speed and everything and anyways i got a i got a bonus segment in east side free ride and uh that segment was filmed directly after 04 rampage oh, and crazy. uh i was there I, I was like 10 feet away from kyle straight when he did that no hander and won that contest yeah. and the, the next day i went out there and was doing some serious lines the lines that like i think vanderham crashed and his bike flew off the cliff yeah uh-huh and i went and crushed that line like not even a problem 14 years old no Boom. way yeah. like so yeah, I mean, I wish there was social media around that time. <laughs> Shit, right. if I was at Instagram then, you know, yeah. who knows? But I just kept charging along, doing the free ride thing. I was like, wow, this is in my backyard. Um, but this is all in your own dime. Like, you're just buying bikes. Like, you're not trying to get nothing, hooked up, anything like that. Nothing. And then and then after that all was 04, 04-ish, by the end of 04, maybe the beginning of 05, is when we submitted a resumes to Cannondale. And there was, like, a buy-in program. You can buy our race bikes. You know, Fox, all this cool stuff. Team Colors. I remember it was like 1400 bucks for the downhill bike. And it comes with full pits, support, at whatever races they're at. Really? So I was like, that's great. And yeah. I, and I remember uh, around that time, we went to the, you know, we did some bootleg canyon races. I Googled racing. We we're going to race mountain bikes. And I went down there and I smoked all the junior X's. Like, mm-hmm. no no problem. I think I was, I was like, that's, I think that's when, you know, influenced you know quentin spaulding had an eye on me probably when i started doing that bootleg canyon okay stuff but i was only you know 15 years old at that point and um the next race the next race we googled was sea otter classic and cannondale was there okay and they said you know yeah come down to sea otter classic let's see what you got and uh that's that's the day i met cedric Gracia, mm-hmm. and i knew cedric you know from rampage and yeah yeah man what a, what a cool what a cool guy you know i remember i remember my dad come in with the bags and my helmet and we're you know introducing at Cannondale and uh Cedric was there and he was super nice and I was just like totally like oh my god yeah like was it intimidating well he was like my favorite rider for sure because he's he was a I I watched all those movies and he was the the racer free rider dude you know he was everything so I was like you know oh my gosh he's racing and doing free ride you know because I was still a little bit burned out with moto like I was like I just want to do free ride you know but like at that point, there was only the rampage contest, and then like I think Crank Cork was was just getting in, yeah, in, just in, barely just no starting. Point. Yeah, so <laughs> I put in like two years with Cannondale, and I remember getting smoked at Sea Otter. Yeah, and then by yeah, the what do you think of that track? Like you're coming from bootleg. From it was actually pretty Virgin. sick. It was the only one time they had like uh, they put wooden obstacles in. They like wooden oh, drops. They had that little bridge at the like so over the table at like, the start. They had huh? like little drops and more. I think they had more drops and jumps then than they do now. <laughs> so I was like, you know, this isn't bad. And then the head-to-head racing, I was doing slalom. So I was like, oh wow, this is way sick. Like head-to-head racing. Like, okay. This is just like moto. And um, I got smoked until I think it was my second or last year um, junior. I switched off two years with Cannondale, and then I met Mark Fitzsimmons, and he he took me under his wing, and I was on the the Yeti Fox program okay. from like 17 to 18. And, um, that last, that last, I think it was my last year junior. I, I won, I won everything in Sea Otter. I won the slalom mm. and the downhill Okay, and, uh, continued. That's when I started traveling first time on the East coast, uh, Mikey Hatter, Travis Bond, Josh Taylor, myself, we were all on the Yeti, uh, 
uh, Fox program. Yeah, okay. And the, those guys were really cool. Those guys, those guys were definitely ahead of the curve and kind of took me under their wing, and I started learning pretty quick. But um, how did how did the the mountain bike racing compare to like the moto scene you were in? Was it? It was pretty big. I remember I was I was I was in the Norba days. I was Greg Menar. I mean, I mean, this is all mashed in my head. It's like a big confusion. I, mean, <laughs> I remember the four crossing at Big Bear. I don't even know when that was. I watched DK oh, like the four man downhill take yeah. PD out for second place. Menar was checked out already. Yep. And I and I remember that was a huge influence for me hmm. because I was like, oh my gosh, there's head to head. This is motocross racing without a motor. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, from there I I. I uh, I kept just trucking away in my junior X career. Got some good results. Uh, I remember battling out oh, man. Dan. He was he was Duncan Riffles' little protege. His name was uh, he was on an Iron Horse Green Bike, and he was a pretty top junior. And we we're at Snowmass. Yeah, Dan. For, for the last um, for the last uh, Norman National, I think was Snowmass. I remember it coming. It was raining. It was it was bad. I I I was. I needed to win the race or top finish in the top five, and I would have been the Junior X Norman National Champion, and I flatted. Oh, I was man. devastated. I got second. And to, to did him. Daniel take it? Daniel Hultgren, it. maybe, or Hultgren or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. yeah we, were, we were neck to neck. Anyways, uh, that's racing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but went on to my pro career, and uh, after that, that's when I was putting a lot of time in Bootleg Canyon. I met Quentin Spalding, and I was a, a junior in uh, high school. And they offered me a financial contract. Wow. And I was like, what? You know, like, I'm not even out of high school yet. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he was, he, he spotted me out there in bootleg. I was already laying down. I think semi-pro was still around. I was smoking semi-pros and top 10 in, in pro. Okay. And uh, and he was doing KHS back then. Doing right? KHS yeah. back then. He just started that. I think they were in a little box fan. They had, like, some prototype, like, M1 four-bar link bikes. Yeah. And, uh and uh yeah he, he at age 18 um he, he he picked me up for a financial contract and i really never looked back ever since then huh. did so so do you just go racing from there pretty much like who was on back then like there was jeff evans jeff and evans and oh yeah david melissa and... buell david cave i think that was like his last year on khs okay um keith mott matt johnson mm uh ian odom yeah uh, god the list just keeps going so <laughs> yeah. i think i think uh and that was really good for me because like all those guys were pretty pretty sweet and you know i was learning a lot from them like right off the bat i don't know Wayland smith was on there too for a second oh yeah uh-huh. but uh yeah i i was chuck vanzuela was on there i mean he was i just remember that name he was not never really a, a semi-pro guy but I don't even remember. I just jumped in this truck full of guys and just started racing and, mm. and getting. I was I was getting pretty good results, like top ten as a super young buck. You know, I just remember those guys getting all pissed off because I started beating them. <laughs> but um, <laughs> other, yeah, I don't I don't know. We just it it. it uh, I remember I missed my high school graduation for uh, Angel Fire the year it snowed there, and I think DK won that one. Really? I just said screw it. You know, like yeah. I don't want to go party and. Do all the scrub or rather be the mountain bike races. But you finished school like Oh yeah, I finished right. school three point yeah. four. I actually got a free semester at Dixie State <laughs> because I graduated early because like for three years I did a seven AM class. Me and my buddy were like, Let's do this math class early and get you know, if we do it for three years, we got all these credits, we can graduate early. And <laughs> for graduating early I got like a twenty four hundred dollar scholarship, which paid for like 
I think I actually paid for two semesters, but I did, I did one semester at Dixie State and was like, oh my God, this isn't high school. Like, <laughs> this is a full-time job. I either need to do school or racing. Okay. And I did one semester and I was done. Where, where's Dixie State? Right there in St. George. Okay. Dixie State University. Okay. And uh, yeah, no more school. Contracts were getting better financially. Um, you know, for, for that for that young, I was making it happen. They were traveling everywhere and uh, and racing mountain bikes. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I just, from there on, I, I learned a lot all the way till I was 20, 21. Um, I guess 19, I was at the Red Bull Rampage 2008. I was 19 years old. That was my first rampage. Dang. I did a lot okay. of stuff with Kelly McGarry, a lot of lines. Yeah. Yeah, man, that guy was sweet. He was... He was awesome. I, re- I remember my first rampage. I think I did the same line as like Darren Bearcloth. Maybe not as cool and you know, maybe not as hucky, but uh, I remember getting like twentieth. Okay. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, you got to just put in your time, you know. And then, and then uh, I think the next year was '09. I think I qualified because at that point they did like forty guys on a Saturday, and you had qualifying. You could win qualifying. How, how did you get into qualifiers? Like, did being I got local help? I would, shit, I remember going back to Woodward and, and Kyle Strait and Zink uh, were there and, and they taught me how to do a backflip hmm. there at Woodward. Was, that was pretty cool. They showed me showed me how to do that properly. But I think I remember just going like Saturday, Kyle, Zink and a few other people, Van Dyne, they all vouched mm, yeah. for me. Yeah. I said, yeah, this kid can ride. And that was when he let me in in, in 08. Okay. Todd Barber. Yeah. I was 19 years old and. What, what was, was nuts. What was your head like dropping in for rampage? It was nuts. Like, I was. Was it scary or was it like? Oh, hey, it was scary. I'm here. No, it was scary. I was scared out of my mind. I. Uh, things weren't as crazy building then either, though. Like we weren't building like. Not quite. It was as way more on. natural. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. You know, if you could find something big, it was way more rare. It wasn't this nasty. You know, it's it was the building's gone out the roof, but. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, I qualified like 20th, didn't make the final cut. And then the next year, I'm pretty sure I qualified first. It was it was a big deal. I qualified first in 09, got really good TV time, and then ended up like like 12th or 9th or something like that. Okay. Do you remember if you changed anything up or was it one qualifying? Hey, well, I didn't change anything things? up. It's just like, I mean, to be honest with you, it's just like putting your time in there. So there's a, you know, I just, I was a new name. Mm-hmm young kid you know there's you know i you know I, i'm not i'm not i wasn't judging the event you know i definitely was doing the same line as bear cloth in 08 but i wasn't i was rolling the rollers you know he was probably hucking down like eight feet mm-hmm. like differences in just like confidence and not sure that's probably where where it went you know mm-hmm. and by i don't know 2010 i think i don't know it's 09 or 010 i qualified first and i started getting a lot of top tens and then uh 11 was my u.s national championship in beach mountain when uh, aaron crashed hmm. and uh i slipped in there and, and took that title and then 2012 i won the grt national series and then the end of that year was uh the red bull rampage and i did i did a nasty drop in line to a good size flip midway to that uh giant oakley sender yeah. drop uh-huh. to another big size flip to a no-hander to that g-gap and that was that was third place at red bull rampage cool and that 
pretty much from there blew up my career i think like i was put myself on that map yeah and from that day a lot of tv time probably in my opinion the best judged rampage year even even if i wasn't third place aaron, yeah. aaron chase was judging they had a, they had racers judging they had they still have snowboarders judging uh, they had free riders they had they had a lot of good judging that year Antonio Bazette got second, and Kurt, Kurt Sorge got his first win. Okay, yeah. And the separator, Kurt was like the first one to really do a flip step down. Okay. That was what really won it. Okay. First time doing a flip step down, and then Antonio's run was just savage. He was like flipping. He was like super tech with that flip in the middle, right? Right, like, but yeah. looked like he was going to crash any second. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it was, you know, but uh, yeah, I walked away, you know, boosting my career there. I, I put myself on the map, and... Like what's what did that do for your career? Like when you say boosting, I just, just feel like, like everyone everyone like started like they knew who I was. You know, I remember going to the Sea Otter the next year, and I had Andrew Neathling and Greg Menar saying, "Hey, good job." Huh. You know, yeah. Like, who who are you? You know, because of Rampage. Because of Rampage. Yeah. Not because I got already two national titles. That didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. But <laughs> at that point too, that's when the Norba started falling off. Unfortunately, yeah. Everything got shit. Yeah. And you had to go live in Europe. Which I, you know, did you try to do that? Try to do that. I was doing that as soon as I hit my pro career for like five years. Mm-hmm. Like, I was doing all those European races, and that's when you were a junior and you had to race with pros and qualify top eighty. Okay. And I did. Mount Saint Anne was the one that stuck out to me. I I think I qualified. Qualified. I don't know what I qualified. And I ended up like forty four or forty third, or maybe I qualified forty four or forty third, and then yeah. and then. And then threw it away. I don't know. But <laughs> I remember being at, you know, if you were a junior, you had an asterisk next to your name. Okay. That's all yeah, I remember. Results, yeah. And uh, was I remember living in uh, with Melissa Buell and Keith Mott for a month in an RV. We went to, like, Slovenia. We went to Leo Gang. Um, I think after that, we flew over to Scotland. We did a bunch of races. And uh, it was definitely a struggle for me. Yeah, I was, I was say, not... Was- was it worth it? Like, I was not. Um, it was. It was so muddy, and like it was. I had my little experience on the East Coast, but I had no experience in mud in, at this deep. Hmm. Like these kids, you could just tell were way more acclimated to the terrain. And uh, I don't. I don't know how much I was qualifying or not, but I was definitely learning and experience experiencing a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, did it? Did it make you feel like? the moto day like were you that excited to be doing it yeah i was pretty excited okay to be over there but i definitely got you know homesick like right away and i definitely didn't have you know a staff or a factory team over there you know Mm -hmm. khs has always been definitely a domestic national team so like being over there you know was was harder for me than you know a kid my age could jump in the van with dad and have everything and they were probably going over there a week early and practicing the track and you know, I was just trying to get like as many runs in on Friday as I could just to like even know where I was going. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I was, you know, I, it was, it was definitely an experience. And I, I think I took that, you know, back and really tried to use it back in the USA racing. You know, I would come back here and do really well because mm-hmm. of the World Cups, you mm-hmm. know, like anyone, you know, the such a high, pristine thing over there. I don't know. Everyone in Europe, they just love bikes, you know? They got soccer and, bikes over there mm-hmm. <laughs> instead yeah. of football basketball and baseball here mm-hmm. so uh, uh, from there I, I went on to 2013 and won another grt national title and then i was 
you know, I think I was 21 or 22 with super high testosterone levels thing. <laughs> I wanted, I got third at Rampage. I wanted to win this thing. I knew what you needed to do to win. You needed a big trick. Yeah. And, uh, and I, pu- I pulled the trigger here. I went for it and I flipped that freaking man-made wooden obstacle out there. And, uh, I, I basically landed it, flew off this little, you know, six foot path and clipped a rock. And then I, when I crashed, I'm pretty sure my, my femur landed right on a rock, and just snapped it. I think if the rock went there, I might've just got banged up. But yeah. That thing, there was leverage when I think that happened. And I snapped my femur and I didn't even know what the hell was happening. And before I knew it, I was waking up in a hospital bed and, were you, and that was over. Were you KO'd from it too? I don't or, think I hit or, my head very hard. But just the trauma yeah. of breaking your femur. Yeah, it was yeah. just a femur and I severely <clears throat> rolled my ankle. But to this day, looking back, I was really fortunate and lucky to have a, a medical crew, you know, within four or a minute of there with traction and morphine, helicopter, surgery. Dude. You know, I know a couple of guys in my friends and, you know, that broke femurs and sat out there for a day, you know, out in the middle of the desert on moto. Yeah. And, and that that's scary, you know. For sure. So that sucked, and <laughs> I had like four months to recover in a chair. I didn't even, I couldn't even go to the bathroom. I sat in a chair. Do a catheter? No catheter. I wa- I walked out of there in like a day. They they put a f- they they since I wasn't young enough. They my femur was fully developed. They they screw they drill out your femur bone and they put a rod in it permanently. <laughs> and they said if you can, yeah, I did have a catheter because okay. they said if you can walk down the the thing and back. Um, we'll pull your catheter and you can leave. Okay. And I wanted the hell out of there. And I did, I like, I remember the, like the IV drip. I was like, I was like, I was like helped with a, you know, a nurse. And I was hanging on that for dear life, like pretty much dragging myself down this hallway and back. So I could say I could go out. Yeah. But with that surgery and that, that, that rod in there, it was like, it's not a moving joint. Mm -hmm. So it's like, once that rod was in there, it was like done. Yep. And, uh, I just remember being, I had, I struggled so hard. I had to be on, uh, painkillers and i remember you know being the most nauseated person sick uh, itchy and uh, I, w- I would i wouldn't take them and then my uh, my mom's a nurse and it's you know pain management pain timeline and i would i would run out and i would be in so much pain my heart rate would like spike up to like 160 oh, really so i learned what pain management was and you had to like stay on every four to six hours and i was on on that shit for like four months like Jeez. you know with pain yeah and uh and that sucked. But after about four months, I hopped on a road bike and my leg was pretty much nothing at all. Like, I remember I couldn't even put my hands past my waist. I couldn't even. It was like I never trained so hard from that moment on to re- to recover and come back just to where I was. Like, it was more dedication than I ever put in my life <laughs> just to come back and get, get to where I was. And I remember... I remember pushing the limits, man. I was like within four, four, five, five months. I was, I was probably doing like, like on my mountain bike. Like if you crash this after your femur broke. Yeah. Yeah. After my, like definitely not fully healed. I was doing the most physio I could do paying extra to go to physio. My neighbor at the time was a, um, a chiropractor and had a laser like machine that's supposed to increase, you know, the blood flow and make it heal quicker. And, on top of the hospital stuff that they provided on top of just myself trying to do what I could. But I remember being back at Fontana 
series, winter series, uh, the beginning of 2014, with basically a left leg that didn't even work. Jeez, dude. Trying to race, trying to keep this career going, trying to keep a paycheck, trying to stay in it. Do you feel like if you weren't back at Fontana or, like, if you hadn't proven you could ride again, like, would you yeah, have well, a season slip by without a sponsor? I, I just, not necessarily, but I felt like in my own mind that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. If I don't buckle down and, and give it 110%, like, these guys are going to just keep going up, getting faster, and I'm going to be left in the dust. Yeah. So I remember doing, like, last place at round one at Fontana just just to complete a run was, like, the goal, you know? Yeah. Crazy. And, uh, <clears throat> it took a year. It took exactly one year. To get back to 100%. I remember I was like squatting, you know, 325 pounds five times before I broke my femur. And that was my goal to get that back. And I did it. Huh. Within a year. Uh, within a year. So it was, it was pretty gnarly. And uh, did you have to kick the pain meds? Like, did you just. No, yeah, I, was, I never had an issue with that. Okay. Yeah. I had other sources of things I liked. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, no pain meds. That that does not mix well with me at all. I don't know how people get hooked on that shit. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was that was easy one to kick, and uh, I was just super lucky that KHS was there for me. They they helped me with some insurance stuff. I remember them sending me like a shitload of steak and meat because they were like you need get, you know you need to have fatty stuff. That's what heals you. I remember, <laughs> they, I remember it was random. They sent me a bunch of like it was one of those steak companies you can order steak from. Uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but. Um, yeah, I just I just put my head down and I think within the end of 2014 or the beginning of 15 I was back you know at the top top of the nationals podiums and, and winning Fontana again. Crazy. So yeah, to this day I have I have like some I have two two pins down by my, my knee and two pins up by my hip and then where I broke my femur there's like some calcium buildup. So it's like if you really feel in there deep it's like, you know, there's like some bone growth there. It. Yeah which sucks, but, uh, like on my IT band, <laughs> but, um, had you ever been like seriously hurt before that? I, no, nah, like broke my wrist. Um, I, I did snap my wrist at bootleg game before that and had to have surgery. I had to have two pins in that. Okay. That sucked. Yeah. Um, but other than that, no, nah, I was, I was like breaking, snapping my wrist and having my femur were like my only, and then I would say right after that, some, some, some head injuries, which everyone has, um, which I think are more serious than anything. Yeah. You, you, you get a head injury and you, your confidence is just demoralized. Yeah. And uh, I do believe to this day, I was talking to Blake Savage, who's fighting to walk again to this day. And we hang out a lot and stuff. And we were talking about Kenny and myself. And I, I do believe I, I shocked my nervous system that day. Like, mm-hmm. cause no matter what my, how strong your mind is, I do believe you have a nervous system. And I do believe that day I, I, I kind of like shocked it in a way where like, where I can compare it, like when you do get older, you know, you, you start thinking of safety things and whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying I was getting older, but I said like, like I shocked my nervous system where like something in your brain is like on a little bit of reserve. Hmm. Interesting. Like I don't like it. Cause it I was to such a, you. yeah, it, I was such a strong head person, but now I look back and I'm just like, I, I really a hundred percent do believe with that catastrophic crash or, or someone who has a head injury they they internally shock their nervous system where like it's like the it's not zapping where it should have been mm-hmm. you know like i don't know i just remember before that i had a i had a huge ego the size of the moon i thought i was the shit i'm going to win this competition it was like gladiator you know and mm-hmm. then and then ever since i snapped my femur i just it was a huge turnover of life experience for me mm-hmm. it was like no 
you know, you're, you're just, you're just a human being. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, like it was, it was a big, it was a big mind thing for me. Yeah. Like I, I like re, it almost like restarted my whole life. Hmm. Like I was way more chill. Just kept my mouth shut. You know, I wasn't this crazy punk anymore. Hmm. Interesting. It just, it just, it's, it just totally mellowed me out. Yeah. Like you, from that day. Do you feel like the, <clears throat> the risk with downhill or with rampage or, you know, even with moto and stuff, like, I know when you're a kid, you don't think about the risk, like you just said, but in hindsight, like, is that risk worth it? Is like what it can end up doing? Like some people get away fine, but some don't. This, to this day, for me, no, the risk isn't worth it. Cause I, what I've built, you know, my name and my assets and what I have. So it's tough, tough to, you know, think of letting any of those things go or anything. But at the time when I was 21, 22, 23, or, you know, even younger before that happened, yeah, I didn't give a shit. I didn't have anything, you know, like I couldn't wait to leave my mom and dad's house, you know, to leave and go travel and get the hell out of St. George, uh, Utah, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I was, it was definitely, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't really, yeah, it was, it, it was definitely not on my mind when I was doing rampages all those years. Yeah. I just wanted to prove to the world I could do this and be the best. And I ended up on the other side of the fence because I, I think if I would have landed that thing, I probably 100% would have been top three again and maybe could have won it. Hmm. And I totally ended up on the other side of the fence. Yeah. And then from that day on, I did, thir- so yeah, I don't know how many more rampages I did, but from there on, it was just top tens, you know? Yeah. I was just out there trying to like do it for myself and and I was still so passionate. That's the thing with Rampage and mountain bikers, especially Rampage, is we're like the most passionate people. It's, I don't know, I don't even really get it myself now. <laughs> but we wanna we it doesn't even matter the money, the cameras at that point. It's just pure passion. I wanna go prove to myself I can do this. Hmm. And I, you know, I always would go out there and bite off way too much to chew. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it worked out for me, you know, a couple, a couple times, uh, especially in 2012, but fast forward to 2017, I did that goblin drop. I did some major stuff. And then, uh, Thursday night before or Friday night before the finals, I, uh, I came up short on like probably one of the largest drops out there Yeah, I remember. Yeah. and I f- huge head injury. Yeah. I had to pull out. And, uh, and, and then it was, it was like fighting just to go for me. I wanted to prove to myself in 18 rampage, I could just go get, go get it done. Mm-hmm. And I did it. I went and got it done in, in 18 and, and I didn't even do my second run. I just wanted to prove that I could go from A to B and then that was it. I, I knew that that day I was, I was done. I just wanted to go prove, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and then, uh, 19, I watched, I, I probably, you know, if I, Todd Barber still invited me, you know, with, with the name and who I am with a third and how many rampages I've done. I could have definitely continued on, but I don't, I felt like my career and where I was, I didn't need the rampage to, to continue my career. Okay. You know, I didn't need that to get the money. So I felt like I was really smart and, and just called it hmm. because it is getting, you know, when I started in rampage, you know, there was top pinnacle racers and there was you know, top pinnacle free riders. And then there's dudes that could do both. And nowadays I think Brennan Farrakhan the last of that era. Kind of the crossover. And he's even yeah. struggling a yeah. little bit, you know, and cause it's just crazy. You yeah. gotta be, you gotta put all your marbles in one basket. And, uh, I just wasn't, I, w- I want to put all my marbles in the racing basket, you know, cause I am a racer 
when it comes down to it yeah from from the beginning with moto but uh so i just knew i didn't you know let's not just keep milking this thing and get hurt again i've been hurt so many times let's just let's just call it and, and try and keep on this racing thing hmm. which has been going really good i just finished up tamarack uh idaho my only grt national and i left there with a tomahawk crash unfortunately but i left there with a lot of confidence i uh, had a super easy qualifier in seventh i was like three and a half off nico hmm. and had a lot of time to make up and i knew i was on a good run i just left there with the, i was still on a podium i'm a podium contender cool. in, in the national series yeah. like for sure so that was i just took that from tamarack and and now you know my next race is big bear cranks and crafts and and u.s champs and u.s open uh ews north star yeah you're gonna do the ews yeah, except I don't have enough points, so I got in. Luckily, man, that was a challenge to get a spot for the even the EWS 100. Yeah, that was nuts, man. So like, I had to. Like, what did it take? You had there was like a countdown. I remember it was like three, two, one, and sign up. And I signed up, and and I didn't like make a, waiting on the I didn't make a spot. <laughs> and I talked to some guys like a month later, and they had like three computers going at once. No way, just hit submit, submit, submit. And I contacted. <laughs> Natalie or the, someone of the top enduro people, and, and and she got me a spot. Eventually, opened up. Nice. I would have got a spot too for Whistler, but I'm not, I'm not going to be able to make it up there. I've you know I've implemented like I think eight demos this year, which is definitely taking up some time in racing. Where I've had to. That's why I skipped the first three GRTs. I mean, if I was just to do it all, I would I would never be home. I would literally have to live out of my bag. So yeah, for sure. I, I really do believe these demos are a big thing in the industry uh, to sell bikes, and I, I do believe these these are, are these festivals are are the way it's going a little bit. Uh, we're here sitting in Sun Valley, Idaho, and there is every single bicycle manufacturer out here. Hmm. It's just like a mini Sea Otter Classic. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I man, if I had a million bucks, I would put it all in American racing. I get so jealous of the World Cups and stuff. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, let's like, talk about some of that stuff and like the how you feel things are going and like yeah, I, what you would do if you had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars, I would <laughs> right, I million. would I would hire a damn camera crew and and a film and film people and put it on TV here in America because it's mm. like you know Europe Europe motocross has the MXGPs and then they and then America has the AMA and they both crush it. They're both huge. So it's like why the hell do we have to go and live in Europe to to race our mountain bikes at the Pinnacle State? Mm-hmm. You know it's. You know, some of those guys like Charlie Harrison, Aaron Gwynn, Dakota, they, they've got it down. Um, somehow, you know, they practice in America, these different, then I want, you know, they're not super flat tracks, but it's a different type of racing where you're like trying, it's trying to, you know, push the bike and, and create energy and stuff. And, and over there, you're just on the brakes. It's just straight down the hill. You know, they have the Alps and, uh, so that's a huge challenge. I feel like for Americans, if you're growing up in a young kid in America and, you head over to Europe, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're going down an elevator shaft, mm. you know, you just, it's hard to duplicate that. Yeah, for sure. And, um, they call them the world cups, but there's only like, usually like one or two out of Europe. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of confusing. And, um, yeah, I just, I just totally wish that like the Norba national scene came back and, and, and mountain biking was way bigger. And with on, with all that, you know, enduro implemented into mountain biking and bikes have came so far that you don't have to go buy two eight thousand or four thousand dollar bikes you can just buy one four thousand dollar enduro bike go right up the hill go ride down the hill go race you know and that's where it's that's where downhills i feel like struggling a little bit because 
a lot of people from downhill went to enduro hmm. and it's because of the the bikes have became so far you know you know you don't you don't have to have a downhill bike that you can only go ride on a chairlift right <clears throat> and yeah it's the tough part huh it's just like the amount of time you can ride a downhill bike right do you think it's changing though and one thing i think some of the i don't know if one of the east coast if like eastern states cup has it maybe they just have a hardtail class but Voris had mentioned and i don't i'm not saying this is like an original idea but like what if at all the downhill races pro grts nw cups whatever you had a like a single crown class so it gave me incentive as someone who only has an enduro bike to go to, to a go downhill race. race like do you think that'd be cool? i definitely think that's a great idea i mean to add on to that i think at one point like the sea otter classic it's so big because you have one point you had the slope style guys there you had the downhill guys the slalom the road biking and the cross country so i think today man if the if you could bring the demo program a downhill race uh, you know the enduro and the slope style guys here and you'd bring them all like pretty much what crankworks is doing that's mm-hmm. what's making it huge yeah yeah but crankworks is you know three stops and none of them are in america yeah and if we could do that and all you know communicate because there's all these different promoters out there and 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 put all our money into one venue in the same date it'd just be massive mm-hmm. which would bring everyone mm-hmm. and i think that's what would bring it back but these demo events people are coming because they're in the sickest location you can ride all the sickest bikes there's no pressure or racing you can drink beer you bring your buddies and you go ride for three days and it's super sick mm-hmm. and they're almost bigger than in, in enduro and downhill yeah these demos yeah and they, and they do attract a lot of people and and if we could somehow implement all that i mean it would be it'd be huge do you think a race could work here while all this is going on yeah if 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 you know you had your demo guy promoting which is you know every promoter is putting out fires and management so if that promoter of the race series was here doing his thing the promoter of the demo guy was here you know, doing his thing and then collaborated with the resort. Yeah, I do think, because how cool would that be? This demo's going on, and then on Saturday, you know, we have a enduro or a downhill race where all the bike man- manufacturers are already here. Yeah. And all the people are here to watch, and, and then all the top athletes. Hmm. But uh, I don't I don't really get it. I think it's I think it's the sports in America, the, you know, the baseball, the basketball, and football are so highly televised and ho- so highly um viewed by american people that like mountain biking becomes like pretty far down on the totem pole yeah for sure and then you compare that to like scotland you know the biggest mount- mountain bike world cup race in the world with the most people and there's like you know there's golf and mountain biking there yeah that's it so it's like that, that you know it, you know when there's a choose from here. too much you know uh, this weekend there's a basketball game going on there's a hockey game it's just like that's what makes it challenging for i think american racing yeah and then, like, when we want to go get a big sponsor, like the Norbit is, like, all I hear, I remember, was Chevy, you know, sponsors. They've, they're have they putting their money into other stuff. Yeah. And it's just, like, I don't know what we need to do, but. Do you think the size of the country hurts, too? Like, this is stuff we talked about at that that roundtable that I wish you were there and communication fell apart, but. <laughs> <clears throat> I didn't make the roundtable. It was a square. It was a rectangle, rectangle too. Rectangle. <laughs> but <clears throat> does the size of the country hurt? Like, could you have eastern states cup nw cup something in the southwest like all come together for an east west shootout like sort of like moto does i guess but i mean that would be great that would be sick those shoot <laughs> then the shootouts would be those huge races you know i don't know 
The closest thing I can see is Clay Porter's on, or not Clay, uh, Clay, Clay Harper, Clay Harper yep. at the U.S. Open. <clears throat> That's that guy knows what he's doing. Yep. He's, you know, with the venues and stuff, it sounds like he's been struggling a little bit, which is totally not his fault. But he he puts on a damn good race. In uh, the U.S. Open, I mean, I remember doing the U.S. Open many years in Mountain Creek Bike Park, and it was still this. It was still a huge, huge amateur and professional race growing up. Yeah, and then. And that has nothing to do with USA Cycling. So maybe that has to do with it. Yeah. You know, you yeah. don't have to go buy a $250 international license and be a regular guy and you might get piss tested for something that you're just going to have fun for, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know. I don't have, like, all the answers. I just have the opinions. <laughs> yeah, cool. That's what we want to hear. All right. Let's go back to opinions. And, <clears throat> you know, you kind of mentioned that, like, Faircloth right now is one of the last racers to do Rampage his run last year was you know had some gnarly stuff it was more of a tech natural kind of line versus a big groomed out drop line mm-hmm. what do you what do you think about all that is one mm. can they be judged evenly like are they how do you even judge those? no things? you can't you can't judge it evenly it's really tough because he i do believe that's the way it should go he was so natural i looked at all the lines you know he was the he was it, it, it it's tough because these guys the the, the bigger drops and the trick ones are kind of gnarlier in a, in a way with when they're doing tom tom uh you know bass van steenberg's back flipping off a 60 foot cliff it's that's so that's nuts, nuts but uh-huh. i i think the true rampage will be the day where they cut the water and sandbags out and mm-hmm. they've already cut the wood mm-hmm. and that's when it's going to be rampage mm-hmm. again and and you know it's it's tough when he was he his his line super raw and stuff and he, he was the only one building his line it, that's his line everyone else with these huge drops and pinnacle stuff they team up with like four dudes and they go build this infrastructure you know that's it's crazy it's just it's almost too much you know like mm-hmm. there's no way you could just go out there and build that stuff i mean they have some super gnarly manpower and a lot of water and a shitload of sandbags and the day i was out of rampage it was a Canadian dude with a shovel. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. A shovel and a McLeod and, and talking to each other if we can make it or not. And now they have gotten, you know, it's the, the building stuff has gotten super smart. And I do feel like that's influenced with like the movie segments and stuff, but it's, it's not a movie segment. It's, it's not something you can go try 15 times and you land it and you get it. Hmm. You know, it's, it's supposed to be one time, one, one shot, you know, like shit, tap those guys out at, the rampage back in the day there's no way they practiced any of their stuff some of the guys are hitting their whole line and and they got it and then they got to trick it you know and mm-hmm. i just i just i just think sometimes it's too man-made yeah like i was out there they dried up some well out there you know just dried it out it's done using water using water Ugh. and it's just like you don't go to a ski contest you know a big mountain ski t- contest and they're building for 10 days they're they're like in a helicopter with God, with binoculars saying can we make it down this hmm. and if they don't they have to get choppered out <laughs> you know they didn't they didn't spend 10 days out there making some giant slope style run yeah they went and they could have been in a damn avalanche out there and they didn't even know the snowpack was like that yeah and that's what's rampage to me do you think TV pressure and kind of the way it looks pressure makes it that way or do you think oh, that's yeah. just what the riders want like if, I think if all both. you guys were kind of skidding down super gnarly unridable stuff would that look as cool as a 50 foot drop flip 
Who cares about that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I the think pressure? the tricks are are a, are a big thing, but you know, I I think you could still make some sweet um, kickers at the bottom naturally. You know, you don't have to go sandbag some crazy FMX kicker halfway up a cliff yeah. and spend six out of your ten days building it. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I definitely just think it's way more. You need to be way more of a big mountain raw rider. You know the the big mountain skiers, the big mountain skiers, and the slope styles, the slope styles. I even can go to slope style, and I just watched you know the craziest shit went down in Innsbruck. Yeah, <laughs> like, but I look after it's all done, and I'm like, it's all the same courses at every single Crankworks event, and every single rider has that course in their backyard. Yeah, I'm like, why don't you guys go make a sixty? You know, when we started the Crankworks, there was like three different options of tiers. You know, huge drops, big gaps, and they like just chill it all out like BMX style. And it's like this is the course. There's a step up, step down. There's a you know a little ladder drop. It's all the same. Yeah. And it's like that's not mountain biking if you're riding a hardtail. Hmm. You know, like make it make it big because that's what kind of mountain biking in my my time. That's what that's what it was about. You know. Yeah. And that's why. You know, when you do do rampage, you you don't see as much crazy stuff. The tricks, wait, you know, no handering a drop is way more. You know, it's 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 because of the it's life threatening. Yeah, <laughs> like if you ex- miss your hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. You know, it's 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 just the way the the cookies crumbled, and and uh, you know, like I said, it's my it's just it's just an opinion, and but I do think it would be a lot cooler if we brought more of the you know the mountain biking back into it instead of like the gymnastics. Yeah. And, and that's that's where I'm at, you know. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you think a hundred foot drop is possible out there? Yeah, I listen to Bender's podcast. Uh-huh. I do think it's possible, and I think he nailed it on to you with Robbie Madison. Um, that they did. If you look at what he did to test for that drop behind the scenes, a lot of money went into it. But he 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 did something. How big was his drop? He did in Las Vegas. He like broke his it, wrist on it out of the he, not when he landed, but the actual G out at the bottom. Yeah, I thought it was like upwards of like eighty feet, wasn't it? Like by the time he eighty hit the ground, feet, I don't remember with but, a two hundred and forty pound motorcycle that probably was still too soft. Yeah, but yeah, I uh, I think if you had enough money and you and you did the right steps and you know they did those tiers, you know if you could go like start at ten feet and just do ten yeah, f- uh-huh. increments, yeah, and and you just spend you know two days, three days. Of well, you know, once once it's all planned out, and you just kept stepping it up, stepping it up. Yeah, I do, I do believe it's possible. Yeah, but it would be a huge, highly, you know, consequence thing if you if you <laughs> sure. if you messed up. But yeah, I mean, like you said, you hit at a certain point, you'd hit you'd hit terminal velocity. But if you made that ramp steep enough, where you know, at one point you're not even you're not you've hit the you've hit the wood or whatever the landing, but you're still free falling, and then that thing just starts tapering out perfectly. I think so. Yeah. It's it's crazy to to believe, but, you know, I don't think you could just go out on the cliff and you know, I'm going to do a 100-foot drop. It would have to be completely man-made, tons of money behind it. Hmm. Like super scientific. Kind of, yeah. Kind of like how they figured out Mega Ramp. Like, I don't think you would just be able to go do a 100-foot drop. Okay. Like, you can't just go out there and do it. You'd have to do tiers okay. and step up to it. Yeah. It'd have to be probably man-made. Yeah. And then maybe you go do that. You know, and you've done it, then maybe you could go find that. But yeah, that's it'd be it's a huge difference than like just do, finding a hundred foot drop and then, you know, doing the scientific thing behind it. Yeah. Who do you hate being beaten by? 
Shit. <laughs> <laughs> beat, beat by everyone. <laughs> J- you all say it. JD Swangen was a big one <laughs> as a junior. <laughs> yeah. I I, uh, I remember going to like Big Bear, showing up there, one of my first races, really really young, a junior. And man, he was just you know San Diego style, confident, you know, just ahead of the curve. And I was just this Utah kid out of the mm-hmm. bush. And I, I I caught on quick. I think I went to a couple more rounds, and I I was the thirty second qualifier at dual slalom in the junior x in in uh deer valley utah yeah. barely made the qualifying he was number one and i just i just remember i had that racing mentality i, I kind of always have when it when it comes to the you know the pressure and everything i do really well I, I do feel like that's a that's a thing that i do have and anyways i not i bumped him out i knocked him out you were 32 and he was one yeah <laughs> and he had, yeah and he was yeah he was yeah, Cal- yeah, Cal- yeah, California. They have back then. They were definitely ahead of the curve a little bit. You For know? sure. Yeah. They they knew what they were doing. Yep. So that race mentality. Yeah. What's something most people don't know about you? Um, uh, I'm like we just super honest, super straight. You kind of just get what you get. Like, I'm not someone to like charm you up and talk all this stuff in your ear, and then like I'm over here talking shit on you and everything. Like I am who I am. What you get, that's it. Hmm. So, I don't know. I'm a dude that I definitely. I'm 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 passionate about the sport. I'm, I'm passionate about upcoming riders and young riders. Like, like who are you uh, stoked on right now? Jackson Riddle's a local kid. Yeah, I, I'm stoked on him. I hope he gets into the rampage, and you know he has some dreams to definitely accomplish, and I think he should do that. And then you know there's some young, there's so many young kids now. It's insane. Yeah, the kids at the. Like, I don't even know. At Tamarack, there were so many little there was shredders. more little kids than anyone. <laughs> yeah. It was like little kids and dads. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's cool. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always – World Cups, man. I'm always a huge fan of all Americans, of course. You know, I'm, like, out of my seat cheering for every one of those American kids. Yeah. Up at 4 o'clock in the morning with my fiancé yelling at me to shut the hell up. <laughs> really? Do you get up and watch them? Oh, like, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, when Greg was – there, I was yelling for his ass too, you yeah. know, being you know thirty four or seven years old, however it is, you know, and still crushing it. That's cool, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm always I'm always I'm still a huge fan of the sport myself. You know, I'm I went out to Rampage in last year, and that was a huge relief off my chest just to sit back and watch. Yeah. I was like, this is way better. <laughs> but uh, is it sketchy watching? Like having since you have it experience is being sketchy out there? watching, yeah. It's it's a time in your life that you got to be on top of it, you know. You gotta you gotta really know what you're doing out there. Yeah. So, and then and then you got you know there's the dudes that are totally pushing it, and then some of the dudes that are just doing the same damn shit they've done for a while, you know. And you got to do what you got to do, but you know I've, I definitely feel like you, if you're gonna be in rampage, you should be there, you know, to win or top five. Yeah. Does that like I don't you know I don't think you should be there just trying to be in the rampage. I think I think. There's only 20 spots. I feel like all 20 dudes are capable to win. Yeah, really going for it. Really going for it. Going for it to get experience to continue rather than just like, oh, I've been here. And that's that's another thing with building. Like, buildings came a long way. Like, there's some crews out there that are very experienced. And they've they've built built their, their, their way up the ladder. And if it was a little bit more natural, it wouldn't be that way. There's no way. Yeah, because you mentioned, like, okay, you've got a... Like when you were first there, they're like, well, you've got to kind of get your experience out here. Let the judges see who you are. Is it fair? Could you have someone that's never done it actually win? Do you think that's possible? 
Jackson Real could do it. Yeah. It's possible. I don't know. I mean, I had to qualify. Like, do you think he has the clout with his name? Like, does that impact it? Definitely impacts it. Okay. 100%. Yeah. That's why, like, when I wanted, I was going to get invited back in 2019, and I was totally done. But because of my name, you know, they wanted me. They want names out there. Yeah. For the TV. Sure. But, um, you know, I had to qualify. There was 40 or 60 dudes, and they would take only 20 to the final on Sunday. And now it's, like, so political, they pick and choose. Yeah, yeah sure, you have to send in a resume. But still, there's only, like, five dudes choosing who gets to go to the rampage which yeah. is like i don't know how fair that is yeah it's another opinion yeah see both sides to some degree you know like right. you don't want everyone trying to qualify but at the same time yeah it does make it tough same you know the same with the judging it's super like there there's like i don't know when the last time there's been a racer judge out there there's no one that's in the racing world last year judging mm-hmm. there was a skier and a bunch of free riders that's it yeah so it's like you need to have like sure you know you need to have all the disciplines so they can see that. Yeah. So every judge can see the different things, you know? Like Angela Connie freaking crushed it with his speed and tricks and aggression and everything. And I think, you know, like that 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 was huge, you know. So I just feel like every every judge needs to have his his thing, you know. And when they're not having a racer judge out there, I think that, that just drops off, you know. Hmm. Interesting. You know? Yeah. You can't you can't those guys can't see the the speed and certain things like super detailed, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember Aaron Chase, he was judging many years, and he was, like, the technical jibby guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have skipped the nose bonk thing and not even, oh, that was cool, whatever, but mm-hmm. I was all about the speed. Mm-hmm. But now that, you know, he's the jibby guy and really technical and sees that stuff, and it's cool. You know, mm-hmm. you got to have every discipline out there in judging, and they, they just they just pick whoever's whoever to judge. It seems like, I don't know, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You got to have the bender that's just freaking insane. You know, they do have bender as a judge, but, yeah. the, you know, the big mountain guy that's just judging on, you know, you're going to get, you're going to go score higher with bender if you're going big yeah. than the other dude, you know? Mm-hmm. But, um, man, I don't know. Rampage is crazy. That's the most it, craziest it thing in the, like, That's the bottom ever. line. It's just nuts. And it's, it's just like nuts. A, just nuts. So. And you've been. It's just nuts and everyone should get paid more there. Yeah. 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 You feel like it's. It's one of those things, not saying like you should well, risk more to be paid more, but you think it's undervalued, like the rider? Oh, the rider's totally undervalued. Yeah. I remember digging out there my last year for a week before the camera crew and everyone showed up and we got gas station salads for seven days. And I'm like, I'm out here burning like six to 10,000 calories. Where the hell is the Domino pizzas? Mm-hmm. Because some chick probably wanted gas station salads, you know? Mm-hmm. And then... You win that contest and you get like 40 grand. I mean, you almost died. There's other sport, you know, and the camera guys out there and and the guy running the line and, and the guy flying the chopper and whoever, they're all easily making 40 grand on that event. And the promoters over there making a million. Mm. So it's like if you broke the pie down and you put athlete on it, you're going to be starving. You're going to mm. want like half of the pie to satisfy your what you're going to do. You're, you know, so I don't yeah. think that's fair. Hmm. And, and they're the ones taking the risk out there and I mean, you got to provide your own insurance if you don't have your insurance out there they won't let you compete yeah and, and i get it but they should have policies out there to an extent yeah red bull didn't help me anything with my femur hmm. maybe red bull helped with paul bass because he was with red bull but hmm. no way yeah you're, you're done out there they like you sign the paper you have your own insurance later it's like the closest thing that reminds me of like Troy of Gladiator. 
like gladiators that are going to fight for their lives out there, but yeah. they're like actually doing it un- under their own consent. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's like the gladiator guys are just trying to get free from the the king, mm-hmm. you know. And it's 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 that exact thing, but financially, mm-hmm. you know, like we're doing it because we're super passionate, and that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. And you guys can kind of take advantage of us, and we're, we're just like, we just want to you know make a career in ourselves for rampage. Yeah. So it's just like. Robin Hood just needs to come in and like steal all the treasure and then give it to the athletes. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough spot, man. <clears throat> it is. Do you feel like you're a misunderstood rider? And kind of the way you touched on. Yeah, I'm definitely a misunderstood rider. You know, some of these. Yeah, guys... but the way you touched on kind of like. You remember yourself being like cocky, arrogant. Then you hit your head, and it sort of slowed you down. Like, I feel like a lot of people think of you. As kind of younger Logan. That's all. That's the only way they look at you, you know. Like all oh, these cockies, arrogant. Yeah, guys. maybe. And I mean, some of these guys, you know, that's they're on the cool bike brands and they're living out of their van and stuff. You know, I wanted to make a living for myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, just taking really good care of me. When I end my career, whenever that is, I'll have, you know, a great house, great toys, shit, probably a house paid off, and uh, you know, some some of the guys rather have the flamboyant brand and not get the money, you know, and and look cool on Instagram. And I do think that's that's not the way I've chose. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I uh, I've always just I've always played my cards straight and been who I am. So you know, I guess I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a super chill dude. Once people actually do end up meeting me, I, do, I they do end up in like, hey, yeah, it, it's cool. And I'm like, I don't I don't know what the hell you where who told you that, but you know, like <laughs> like I don't I don't know where the misunderstanding is. I do yeah, feel yeah. like there is a little bit of mis- misunderstanding, and I do believe it's because I've always stuck up my, for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I've never like just let people roll over me or kind of like sucked cock to get places. I just like hard work and dedication. Yeah. I just straight up think that and, and and mountain biking is a very small sport and you can burn bridges quick and you know I don't I just never really wanted to be like do things that I didn't want to do to be in the click hmm. and there is a click out there for sure in the racing and the free ride world and I just I don't know I just never was in the click hmm. but uh I don't know why you know I just I was always just doing my own thing and whatnot but uh it is what it is, and I don't really give a shit. <laughs> but I'm sorry, but Dude, that's awesome. I don't know. I'm having fun still riding bikes. I, I have a lot of fun. I'm 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 enjoying it. I'm enjoying racing in America still. I'm enjoying being a fan of the sport. I'm enjoying doing the demos. You know, I'm just trying to make a living for myself and stay in the sport as long as I can and have fun. Yeah. You know and. There are a lot of there's a lot of good people in here, you know. It's 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 a really cool community, um, and it's a big community, you know. Like man, I've got road biking and all these things. Like I'm just I'm a greenhorn to these demos, you know. And there's some really cool guys here that have rode mountain bikes their whole life. Yeah, they haven't got a rampage result and a national title or World Cup or whatever, you know. But they're like been riding for a really long time, and it's I'm just meeting some some dudes that have been around for you know a long time and. It's just crazy how many people influence, you know, the sport in different aspects. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like outside of the racing, there's a whole different, whole different crew. Crew. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. Either way, I wish our sport had more money in it. I mean, any sport, but it's just a bummer that a baseball guy can, you know, do 20 years in a pension, and we're over here just like eating peanuts. So yeah, 
that's where I'm like really passionate and would do anything to like, you know, jumpstart it. If I hit that lotto, I probably wouldn't just disappear and go to a thing. I'd be like, you know, I'd probably start a race series or do my own thing or yeah. like try to influence something, you know, and it's, I don't know. It's, it's cool. It's cool to see a lot of young kids coming up, man. I mean, yeah. when I started, there was, there was no young kid yeah, in it. They a, didn't have to make a bike for there it. There was a drought. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. It seems like, yeah, in the so, next five, 10 years, there'll be a, no, now there's just tons of little kids. Yep. There's going to be some young little rippers coming up, free ride and racers. It's going to be crazy. So maybe they're the ones that will bring back American racing. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yep. Thoughts on social media? Because you're not old and crusty like me, but you seem to have some opinions on it. Yeah, like I was just saying, you know, I, I just started following the Steve Miller band. I really like them. And, you know, they've been around for a long time. The Eagles, whatever you want, Boston. And they, they only had like 10, 14K followers, you know? And then you go over to you know the the marshmallow head and all these techno things and there's billions of millions of followers you know so instagram's a tough one you know it's it's such a highly influenced thing right now and it's to to the public eye but it's really just a mirage it's something that's not physically you can grab you're just seeing the the pyramid out there and then you get to it and it's not there hmm. and 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 it's it's something to you know like there's people in St. George, Utah, like girls and guys, and they have like hundreds of thousands of followers, and they're they're no one. They're just they're just they're just photos on there, you know. And and I just I just think it gets confusing when people have put in a lot of hard work, and then they just weren't you know on the timeline of the social media, you know. And and that's I just think social media can be a misconception of like where the actual person you know is is you know. Uh, where they should be, you know, thought of or, or recognized as. So like know? I, I could have a, a million followers, do all this rad stuff on my bike, but the reality is I'm not making any money like that kind of thing. Like there's exactly. no, there's no return for all this. It's exactly what it is. You're just, you're just, you're just out there pleasing your self-conscious and likes and views. Hmm. And you're actually, you know, some people are over here like, myself i don't really give a shit about that i'm just trying to make a living and pay my mortgage you know and then there's dudes out there that are some famous dude on instagram and pink bike puts up his damn shit every day and he's just a dad that rides on the weekends and that's what's diluting it it dilutes mm -hmm. our sport or dilutes the market of the sport you know when it's mm -hmm. like give that to someone who's dedicated their life and they actually have a job in this you know this industry mm -hmm. He's not, he's over there, you know, working somewhere else. I don't know, you yeah, know, yeah. but I do get frustrated with, uh, you know, social media platforms a little bit because I do believe it's, it's diluting us, you know, and diluting the whole world, really, you know, everyone's just flipping through seeing backflip or whatever shootings and drownings. And then, you know, they don't even know what's real and what's not. Yeah, for sure. And it's like scary. Yeah. You know, and then you go see the real stuff and it's like, eh, you know, like. It's just, uh, it's crazy. So do you feel like it's rider wise, like riders are giving it away? Like I'll, I'll trade fame and likes for potentially earning a living. Absolutely. I think that, you know, I think there's a lot of riders out there that they're just doing it. Like I said, they're doing it for their, you know, their self, their, their ego to get the views and likes. And instead of, you know, just 
you know, going to someone and saying, Hey, I'll do it for X amount of dollars. You know, that is, I'll do it for free, you know, just put me on your Instagram. And it's like, well, why didn't you ask for some money? Because you could have got money, mm-hmm. but you're not. Mm-hmm. And that just, that just ruins it for everyone kind of in a way. Yeah. So, and the money's already tough. So, but you can't point it. You can't point any fingers. Everyone's just trying to do what they, what, what they're doing. You for know, sure. I mean, it yeah. is what it is. They didn't make Instagram. Yep. You know, they didn't make that crazy app and Facebook. Some people are just riding the wave and some people aren't, you yeah, know? For sure. And so, I mean, it's, it's another tough thing, but I definitely, you know, as if you're a outside sponsor or inside sponsor, I, it's not all about Instagram. That's what I think. Yeah. Cool. We miss anything? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Cool. Logan, thank you very much. Thanks, Bomber. Get out under the sunshine and get some riding in here, huh? You yeah. gonna ride today? Um, if I can bikes? escape from the demo, I yeah. will. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for everyone for listening. Have a good day. Go shred your mountain bike. Yeah, yeah. Sweet, dude. Thanks, man. Easy, huh? Yeah.